you so much. I'm going to have my friends come up as well. Uh, we're so blessed to have Luis, Angel, Kim, and Edward from Washington, D.C., Florida. Kim's on the West Coast, California here. Uh, I'm just so blessed to have such amazing friends. Uh, they had asked me to share my story, uh, but like Jamie said, we met yesterday with uh, leaders from all over the world here at International House of Prayer, and I was like, man, I should have my friends come and share their stories as well. I love the song uh, that we just sang before this because it's so true about all of our testimonies that we thought that we knew what was best, and we told God we know greater for ourselves, and we think it's better our way, but we have all found and are going to testify tonight that God's way is the best way, and it's the way that brings peace. It's the way that brings joy, and so we're just here tonight by the power of Revelation 1211 to share our testimonies, and we believe tonight that it's going to touch hearts here in this room. I believe you're going to be able to understand my story, my friend's stories. I believe there's going to be something in that that's going to uh, really speak to you. Uh, we're not only here to share, but we want to pray for people. We believe in the power of prayer, and so if tonight uh, after we share our testimonies, if there's something that uh, you really feel in your heart that is compelling you to come to the front. We don't want you to feel shame or guilt. We're not here to judge anyone. We're all at different places in our walk. And what I love is that Jesus meets us right where we are. He meets us right where we are. And that's kind of where my story starts. You know, my whole life I um, grew up in church. But I wouldn't say I actually had a relationship with Jesus uh, from a very young age, I knew that I struggled with same-sex attraction. I couldn't put a name to that. I didn't know what it was. You know, I lived in a generation where it wasn't talked about. People who struggled with that were very closeted. Um, it wasn't, you know, all over the TV, all in the news, you know, just in my face. It wasn't like that. And from what I knew about God or what I understood of God, I thought he was just a far off. And I was just this dirty sinner and I could not share with anyone. I couldn't open up about it because everyone would hate me. They would judge me. I would be kicked out of the church. That was just what I believed. So for most of my life, I kept what was going on inside so hidden. And, and what I love about today and, and talking about homosexuality, talking about sexuality, whatever it may be, sexual immorality is sexual immorality. I wish that when I was your age that someone would have been bold enough to testify to what God has done in their life, to talk about hidden sin, uh, you know, to, to have youth pastors that care. You know, I've met with y'all's pastors, and I just wish when I was your age that I would have had an opportunity to share everything that was going on in my heart, everything that I believed about myself. And I would have been able to share that because the word of God says that when things come out into the light, that's when they can be dealt with. And what the enemy of our soul wants to do is he wants us to keep things deep inside, locked up so that no one can know. And we think that we're just struggling with something that no one else is struggling with, that no one would understand and just keep it locked in there and, and don't touch that. And that's exactly what I did. But I thought a way of escape for me would be the party scene. I thought it would be 
alcohol. I thought it would be drugs. I thought if I could just numb these attractions, that they would just go away. And, and I could just walk away from that. But the thing that happened was I didn't really have real friends. As soon as the party was over with, I was left alone, still with the attractions that were deep inside of me, just in so much pain. And I'm going to fast forward to, to, to college. So I have all this going on. I leave home. I'm finally away from my home. I'm finally away from the church. And all I hear is be happy. Be who you are. Love is love. Be happy, MJ. So I stepped into, for the first time in my life, a relationship with a woman. We were together for six years. Uh, we did everything that couples do. We were even engaged. I saw a whole life with her. But inside of me, there was still this tug of war between my flesh and what I knew about God. But I still didn't have Jesus as Lord as my life. See, I, when I would, people would talk about Jesus, I'd hear about Jesus. It was like I wanted Jesus, but I didn't want him to come into my sexuality. Because I knew, I knew enough to know that that meant I was going to have to surrender this relationship. And I love this woman. I spent every waking moment with this woman. I thought I was going to spend my life with this woman. But what's so amazing is God was always speaking to me gentle, through an encounter I would have with somebody, even through people taking me to church. Uh, it was three years into our relationship, and I was brought into a church that I'd never been in before. I was like, what is this about? I'd never seen drums, guitars. I didn't know what this worship thing was. I'm like, what is happening? I've never been in this type of church. But I was drawn. The worship was really drawing me. And then the pastor started preaching the true message of grace in the gospel. And it was the first time in my life I heard about relationship with Jesus. And, and I was offered that. But I was so attached to this woman that I didn't want to lay it down. And I walked another three years with the Holy Spirit just kindly whispering to me, MJ, if you just lay this down, I'm going to show you your true identity. I'm going to, I'm going to show you who you really are and the things that came in that you believed about even being a female. I'm going to heal that in you, but you have to let me in. That's what I love about Jesus. He's so gentle with us. He's not going to force his way in. And he was just kindly speaking to me. And uh, by the grace of God, um, six years later after we were together, um, I was driving in my car and I was getting very emotional uh, about wanting to have a relationship with God. And I knew this, this relationship was ending. And I heard the Lord say, MJ, will you lay this all down? And for the first time in my life, I said, Jesus, you can have every area of my life. I give you my sexuality. I want you to show me who I am. Yeah, amen to Jesus. Only he can do that. And it was like a line was drawn in the sand. And the Lord radically touched me in that day. And I'm so grateful. He said, MJ, he took me to the word. I hadn't been in the word in so long. He took me to Genesis 50, 20. It says, everything that was meant for your harm, I will use for good to save the lives of many people. And what the Lord said is everything that you've gone through, everything that you've experienced, you're going to be able to see other people set free. You're the first of many hearts that will be uprooted. And that's when he gave me uprooted heart. And he said, you will be the first of many hearts that I'm going to uproot from the deception of this. And I'm going to show them their true identity. And I'm living in that. I've been, Jesus saved me eight years ago and I've been walking <laughs> with him.
Yes. And I just want to say, you know, none of us are perfect, but we all are surrendered. And it's the level of our surrender is the extent that God can really move in our hearts and our lives. And so I just want to encourage you tonight, no matter what it is that might be hidden in your life, Jesus is there and he knows and all he's saying is just surrender it. Just give it to him. You know, we try to carry these burdens and control things and God is just saying, I am willing and I am able. All you have to do is surrender. And so I'm just so blessed to be able to testify to what only Jesus can do in a heart to change the heart that is hardened to a heart of flesh. And uh, I just thank you all for letting me come and share. And next up, we'll uh, let Angel share his story. Thank you, MJ. Uh, thank you guys for having us here tonight. We love, love, love speaking to the youth. Uh, we once were the youth. We once struggled with a lot of things being in the youth. And uh, the Lord saved my life three years ago. Before that, uh, I was born and raised in church, grew up uh, in a fire Pentecostal church. Um, but ever since the age of five, I knew that I struggled with same-sex attraction. And growing up, I still, I didn't do anything about it because I knew what the word of God was. My parents had planted a seed in me, and that word stayed in me. So I struggled with that. Went into my teens, I was a youth on fire for God. But I was missing something. I was missing community in church. I was missing a mentor. I was missing a one-on-one -on -one with my pastor. And the struggle was beginning to get harder and harder. Still knowing what the word of God was, it still became hard for me. Until I was 18 years old, my dad ended up being unfaithful to my mother with my best friend from church. And that destroyed my life completely. At that moment, I decided to tell God, you let this happen, so I'm going to go ahead and live the life that I want to live, that I, the life that I've been feeling that I want to live. And I went head on into the gay lifestyle. I was in there for a year, and a year after that, I reconciled with God. I missed worshiping him. I grew up as a worshiper, and I missed that. That was in my heart. So I said, Lord, I'll give you another chance. Let's do this. I'll give you another chance. And once again, I was on fire for God for that year, speaking to the Lord, being a leader for the youth. But again, I was missing that community. I was missing that youth pastor that would talk to me, that would be open with me, a church that would let me share my struggles with them. I was missing that, and I gave up again. This time, out of, I was out of God's will for seven years not only consumed in homosexuality, but becoming a cocaine addict as well. In 2016, I was fed up with the lifestyle. Once again, I was telling the Lord, I want to worship you. I miss worshiping you. Every time I would head into a club, into a party, I would hear voices that would tell me, Angel, what are you doing here? You don't belong here. What are you doing? And I wanted to come back, but I couldn't find a way to come back. I couldn't do it in my own strength. And I started praying to the Lord in April 2016. I started telling the Lord, Lord, I want to come back. I love you. I miss you. I want to worship you again. But obviously, I can't do it in my own strength. And I did what I call 
the dangerous prayer and I told the Lord, Lord, do whatever you have to do to me and I don't care what it is. Allow anything to happen and I don't care what it is for me to come back to you. I had heard people making this prayer before, so I was like, you know what, I'll give it a try. I'll give this prayer a try. And June 12, 2016 came. I ended up going to Pulse Gay Nightclub in Orlando, Florida. A night full of laughter, a night that I will always remember with friends, with loved ones. At 2.02 a.m., my life changed completely. I went ahead and got my last drink for last call. I came back to the dance floor, was chatting with my group, when all of a sudden I hear a loud pop. I hear a loud pop to my right. I remember seeing an orange flash. I dropped my drink, I jumped, and I started to hear pops after one another, pop, pop, pop. I turned to my left and I tried running. I ran about two or three steps, not knowing that the shooter is only 10 feet away from me when everything started. I was shot instantly behind my legs. I fell down, I tried to get back up, but in seconds, the club was in chaos. People started trampling each other. I tried to get back up. At that moment, I felt someone step behind my left femur. And over the music, over the screams, I heard my bones snap in half. I fell back down. I couldn't move. I couldn't go anywhere. Every time I looked up, I just see bodies falling down one by one. I cover my head. I feel people falling on top of me. An older lady falls next to me. She's yelling, she's in pain. I grab her hand and I tell her, we're gonna be fine, just relax. Calm down, we're gonna be fine. And I'm still hearing the shots after another. I can feel the heat. I can smell the gunpowder. I can see the glass everywhere, blood everywhere. And the shooter walks outside. And at this moment, I take a chance to look around and I look around the room and I just see bodies all over the floor. No one's moving, everything's dark. The only person I hear is the lady next to me, she's in pain. I squeeze her hand, I tell her we're gonna be fine. And then I hear footsteps coming into the door and I start hearing loud pops again. This time it was slower than, what, than it was before. I'm wondering what's happening. And I can hear the pops getting closer and closer. Now realizing that the shooter is inside of the room and he's shooting at everyone that's on the floor. He's making sure we're all dead. And I hear the shots getting closer and closer. I hear some screams. The lady next to me, she's panicking, she's yelling and I'm telling her, He's coming, pretend you're dead, stop breathing and don't move. And she's still yelling, she's still moving. I decide to hold my breath, to cover my head, to not move, close my eyes and I hear a loud pop. I open my eyes and I see the body of the lady next to me jump up and down. 
I feel her hand let loose of my hand and her eyes just close. Inside, I'm panicking. Inside, I'm telling myself, I never would have thought I would have seen someone get murdered in front of my face. I'm trying to take care of her and I couldn't do anything. Now I'm next. He knows I'm alive. He saw me holding her hand. I'm next. And at this moment, I can feel his evil presence behind me. But nothing's happening. It was strange because I can hear the pops one by one. But this time it just stopped. And I'm out in the open. Nothing's covering me. I don't know why he's shooting. So I tell myself, Angel, this is God giving you the time to make peace with him because you're about to die. And I start praying to God. I start telling God, Lord, please forgive me. I know that I left you. You never left my side. The Lord never leaves your side. It's, it's, it's on us. And I said, Lord, I'm so sorry for doing that. But please forgive me for everything that I've done. Please take me with you because I'm about to die. And I kept praying and nothing was happening. And something clicked in my head and I changed my prayer. And I started to prophesy over my life. I said, Lord, you promised me that I had a purpose in life. So I know that today I'm not going to leave here dead. I'm going to leave here and I'm going to worship you for the rest of my life. I started prophesying over my life. And at that moment, I can feel spiritual warfare right on top of my head. Prophesying over my life, I started changing the atmosphere. I started changing the plans that the enemy had for me that night. The Lord has given you the power and the authority to change the atmosphere wherever you go. And at that moment, I kept on praying, telling the Lord, you promised me, you promised my mother that her son had purpose in life. So I'm not leaving here dead today, Lord. And I kept on praying. I kept on praying. And at the moment that I said, amen. I hear a loud pop. I feel my body jump up and down. I feel heat around my midsection. And I see black. At that moment, I thought, I'm done. I'm dead. I feel pain in my midsection. I just feel heat all over my body. I see black. I'm dead. And I hear footsteps walking away. And at that moment, I opened my eyes and I was able to thank God at that moment that I was alive. A few seconds later, I see lights coming in through the door and the police started coming in. I raised my hand. They were able to drag me out. Forgetting that there's glass all over the floor, they dragged me over the glass, opening up my wounds from my legs. But at the same time, I'm just yelling at them, telling them, hurry up. You could hear gunshots going on still in the other room. But by the grace of God, they took me out of that building. By the grace of God, I am standing here today. All because of him. A couple days after being in the hospital, the nurse comes in. And he starts speaking to me, and he says, Angel, you weren't shot three times. I thought I was shot three times. He said, Angel, you were shot six times. And I couldn't believe it. I had a blank face. I had a blank face. I had a blank stare because I just couldn't believe it. 
all I could do was thank God. Yes, I was like a baby all over again. I had to learn how to walk. I had to learn how to do everything all over again. But that took me into a process the year after, the process that my life needed. I gave my life to Christ. I was discharged after three weeks being in the hospital. I started worshiping God again. And I started doing these events for Pulse. I started working at events. I was the first interview after the Pulse shooting. So my name was all over. And the fame started coming my way. Everything that I wanted before the shooting happened was now coming my way. All the offers for a reality show of my life. An offer for a movie with Paramount, with Lionsgate. I was working for a speech company, giving speeches in schools and universities for a few grand just for an hour. I was getting everything that I wanted. But at the same time, I was realizing I was living a double life still, even after going through one of the biggest massacres. And I still felt empty. I still was fighting God about my sexuality. And I started arguing with the Lord, telling him, Lord, I went through this. I went through this shooting. I gave my life to you. Why am I still feeling like this? Until I broke down one day and I started praying to the Lord and I said, Lord... I'm going to stop fighting you, and I surrender to you. I give you my temptation. I give you my struggle. But not only that, I give you my whole heart. And at that moment, I heard the Holy Spirit tell me that is all he wanted. He wanted everything of you. He didn't want just one piece of you. He wanted all of you. At that moment, my life changed completely. I could see what true freedom was, what true deliverance was. And true freedom and deliverance is when you can look at temptation in the face when it comes to you and you can tell it that you don't want it. You want Jesus. When you are no longer a slave to your struggle, to your temptations, that's how you know what freedom is. And my life changed completely after that. After getting to meet overcomers like my family up here, my life changed completely. And one of the best things is that my partner today, my, my partner CEO for Fearless Identity Ministries, the house party that I went to before going out, I crashed into Louise Ruiz. And who would know, three years later, we are here fighting for the kingdom of God. I'm going to be super quick, but go ahead and breathe in and breathe out. Y'all look a little tense tonight. <laughs> We love you guys. We just want to say that we, we love gay people. God loves gay people. So if you're in this room and you're struggling, please, we're not trying to offend. We just want to share our stories of change because it's possible through the blood of the lamb and the word of our testimony. Um, I, I grew up, uh, I don't know if a lot of you guys grew up the same way, but I grew up in the church. My parents were pastors. So it was very hard when I started struggling with same-sex attractions at a young age. I didn't have community. I didn't have a group to go to, a family. It didn't exist. Like MJ said, you couldn't even use the word S-E-X. The only thing you knew about sex was you were going to hell in a handbasket if you tried to do it. So um, 
So it was very hard. My dad was in the military. He's Latino. He's Puerto Rican. So, and I was the firstborn. So, you know, uh, you didn't do that at home. You know what I'm saying? Like you, you weren't. Yeah. And so it was very hard. I tried to do it on my own strength. Like a lot of these guys said, it, you can't do it on your own strength. Uh, you have to trust on God's strength. You have to trust in community and the leadership in your church to help you through this. Um, so because I didn't know and I kept it all to myself, I joined the U.S. Army, thought that that was going to turn me into a man. I was wrong. That turned me into a sexually promiscuous guy. All right. <laughs> so and I had a lot, a lot, a lot of sex. And it was just I was living a life broken. I, I, because I didn't find affirmation, uh, my father didn't affirm me. I, I try to look in it for in other men to affirm me, so I would sleep with them uh, just to get it, and I, I wasn't getting. I, I uh, had boyfriends. Uh, my longest relationship was three years um, with one of the biggest gay porn stars in uh, America today, and uh, we had a California king-sized bed, but we were a million miles away. You know, I, we could never. Um, I could never try to make that American dream. I could never try to make it work. Um, I remember because I didn't find love and community in the church because uh, at the time they just didn't know how to communicate to the LGBT. They didn't know how to communicate to someone that was uh, same-sex attracted. Um, like I said earlier, if you even talked about sex, it was like a no-go. So imagine bringing up the question, hey, I, I like guys. You know, so it was just not yeah so uh to fast forward i would join the military and yeah it I, I got to see many cultures i went through it all so real quick uh, i did the don't ask don't tell policy where if uh, i couldn't tell you i couldn't flaunt it and you couldn't ask me at all um and then i went through the time where they just took it all out and now you can serve gay in the army and you can claim benefits and all that stuff um, and I was parting it up, drugs, alcohol, you name it, but I could never find that fulfillment that I was looking for. I was so broken, and, and, and I was the life of the party, but at 2 a.m., because mom and dad instilled the word in me since I was a little kid, it would not return void. So because of that, I would always, like, man, there's a God up there. What does he think about my sexuality, you know? And then I see these scriptures in the word, three in the Old Testament, and then three in the New Testament talking about this kind of stuff so I just didn't know uh, it got to the point where I came I, I was drunk one day um, I found a 24-hour church that prayed and worshiped and I was like what are these people doing it's three in the morning I'm out of the club I'm drunk like are they really worshiping um, and to, to hurry up with time I want to honor you guys this time um, I came to Jesus that night um, I walked up in the church drunk and a little Latin lady just sat next to me and she just started prophesying. She started praying over me and speaking scripture over me. Um, so for a whole year, I was, uh, I was in the church, but how many of y'all know that you could sit up in the garage, but that doesn't make you a car. So, um, I try. I did the church thing. I went to church on Sunday. I read some scriptures. I, I, I threw up my hands, but I was still empty inside. You know, I, I was playing church. And to make a long story short, I saw some friends at the mall. They invited me to Pulse Nightclub. I ended up at Pulse Nightclub. Uh, we went to a pre-party. Y'all know about them pre-parties? Don't go to them. Um, where I met Angel. And uh, he's like, where you been for a whole year? And I'm like, I've been at church. I don't know what I'm doing here, but, you know, I, I went, 
we went to Pulse nightclub. It was a, a beautiful night, guys. I got to see a lot of my friends and, and friends that I even preached to. And they were like, what are you doing here? Uh, it was 2 o'clock in the morning. And uh, I was celebrating my birthday, so I, I was turning up. I remember telling myself, I was like, man, nobody's going to find out. I'll be at church on Sunday. I'm good to go. The whole world found out, you know. And, and it was just, I was like, man. So uh, thank God I'm standing here today alive. I, I didn't get shot. Thank you, Jesus. And, but I was trampled on trying to get out of the club. And um, I ended up in the hospital. As I was looking at the TV, I was seeing names passing by. Dead, dead, dead. Imagine trying to lose one friend in your life. Imagine 49 of them. And then others injured. And some of them, we don't even know what's going on yet because they haven't revealed to them on TV where they're at. So it was a very crazy night. A uh, couple months passed after that. And then I get a report saying, or I get an email saying, hey, go check yourself. Uh, there's a lot of people that passed away that might be carrying the HIV virus. So I went to go get checked and I made the guy do it three times. I said, no, 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 no. I'm a pastor's kid. I was in the army. You're going to do that again. And I don't know why we just think that we're just like, we're not going to get this kind of stuff, even though I was sleeping around with everybody and their mom, well, everybody and their dads. Um, and uh, so I found out that I was HIV positive. I found out that I was HIV positive and my world came crashing down. And I just knew, I was like, what am I going to do? This is crazy. I reached rock bottom. But how many of you guys know that, there, that Jesus is the rock at the bottom? I was able to give myself my life up to Christ again. I said, God, I don't know what to do as a gay man, but here I am. Take all of me. And Christ, like Angel said, took all of my heart and not just my sexuality. I learned to make Christ Jesus my freedom and not make uh, my God. I, I, I said that so wrong. I'll try it again. Learn how to make, instead of making freedom your God, make Christ Jesus your freedom. You know, I tried to pray the gay away. I tried to do all that stuff. Never went through conversion therapy. Never went through electrotherapy, shock therapy. The only, the only electricity that I've received is the Holy Ghost, you know. So all those lies that you hear on the media, TV, all that stuff, I, none of us have been through conversion therapy and we're changed and we're living for Jesus. We're going all through these cities proclaiming that there is changes possible through the blood of the lamb and the word of our testimony. And we have community and we love you guys. God bless. Hey, real quick, real quick. You guys go as long as you want to go. We're, we're, we're here till, till 6 a.m. in the morning. Hey, listen, if you, if you need to leave, whenever you need to leave, you can leave. But we're just going to give them the opportunity. And for those that can stay and hang and do whatever, we're going to do that. So y'all take your time. Awesome. Well, I'm going to be quick because what radically transformed my life is what is going to be offered at the end of this. And that's Jesus. We can stand up here. And I'm grateful and thankful uh, for the testimony of my life and what Jesus has done. And so, but I got wrecked at a prayer meeting similar to this. And I got up totally different, but very similar to MJ. Grew up in the church, but here's a difference for me. I never realized why I was created. I didn't get it. I was just walking around. I knew I was super gifted. I'm not bragging. I just, I was, I was gifted and talented. I didn't know what the heck to do with it. So, I mean, if somebody's not directing you, if church isn't telling you maybe where to use these gifts and, and why you've been blessed with this, then you're probably going to find your own way, right? And so I did. I used every gift I had for myself to be popular, to 
do all the things I wanted and that would lift me up. And unfortunately, that gets really boring. People eventually stop liking you. You don't really notice it because you're so arrogant. But, um, but in that, what happened was I, was I was still rudderless. I had like, I was this boat sailing, but I was just going every which way. And so I, I let my desires drive my life, right? And so the moment I wanted a guy, I got him. The moment I wanted to get on that sports team, on it. Well, what now? Back to a blank slate, no purpose. And so for me, it was my senior year, and I saw a girl. And I was like, well, maybe that's challenging. Maybe that'll be something that'll be different than everything else. And, and I don't know if you all know, maybe I'm making myself super old right now, but Katy Perry, she wrote a song. What's it called? Very good. You see what we're going here. Okay. So I remember that song, okay? And she didn't unpack. She said, I might kiss a girl, right? If I kiss a girl, I might like it. She never told me what would happen years later. She didn't unpack the reality of what that one kiss could do. One kiss my senior year wrecked years of my life and so many others, so many others. I don't stand up here because I got a cool jacket. Um, I stand up here because I was my own God. That song, worship team, you nailed it, right? Like I really thought, I never would probably stand here and say, I'm, I'm God or I'm better at being God than he is, but the way I lived my life, absolutely I was screaming it, y'all. Like screaming it because he is, I grew up in church, I knew it. I knew what he said, but, but Pastor Jamie nailed it. He nailed it. We can know God and not know him or like my bro said, right? You can, be, you can stand in the garage, you can even put your hands on the ground and be on all fours, you ain't a car, right? And so in that, the reality is I was sitting there, but I'm so thankful that I knew the word of God because I was never at peace. I, don't, I had to be drinking, I had to smoke weed, I had to do something to pretend to not hear that small, still voice, right? God says, be still and know that I am God. So I don't care if I was with women, Whatever I might have been doing, because I opened up a lot of doors. It wasn't just women. So whatever I was doing, the moment that high or that, that drunkenness wore off, I had to sit with that still voice. And it wasn't until I let God be God on October 17, 2014, that my life radically changed. Now, I didn't, I didn't leave a prayer room like this totally different in the sense of I was still human. I was still tempted. But I had a greater desire, and I actually surrendered. I said, God, see, here's the thing. I get, to, I get to share what Jesus has done in my life all over the nation, right? But a lot of times, I think what we miss is we always say, but, and I have a lot of people that will come up and they say, you know, I, I've tried to give it to God and, and he just won't take it. I was like, well, love is not like having someone take something. Why don't you offer it to him? Why don't you surrender? Why don't you say, I give this to you, God. I give you this desire, whether that be same-sex attraction, whether that be uh, an addiction, whether that be uh, pornography, whatever it is, right? I give this to you. I give this to you. And he will receive it every time. Now, what I will say is you may have to give it over and over and over. But who cares? Keep doing it. You just keep giving it. And he will give you greater. He has given each one of us greater for every surrender we've given right? And so in this, you guys, I know, I know I've got, I'm going to give myself one minute. Okay. But I just want to say each one of you, Jeremiah 29, 11, that thing's plastered all over walls. It's on like water bottles. Oh, it used to be, um, right. That God has a plan and a purpose for each one of us. And then when I read that, I was like, sweet, done. 
That's the Bible, right? No. Jeremiah 29, 12 and 13. Keep reading. It says, when you seek him with all your heart, you will find him. Right? We got to be seeking a seeking people. A seeking people. And when you seek the heart of God, I'm telling you, he says, knock and the door shall be open. Seek and you shall find. Ask and you shall receive. Right? So when we are seeking his heart and we're sticking to his ways, letting him be God, you will have a radical life. One you will never imagine. You could not imagine. I would not imagine doing what I'm doing today. Not at all. And I know that this isn't even the fullness. I still have to surrender. I don't have same-sex desire anymore. I don't have that attraction, right? Sometimes it's, things are tempting, but, oh, I give that to you, God. Boom. See you later, right? And I just don't, I don't feed that. I'm careful at what I watch, what I listen to, who I surround myself with. That's real. My mom used to tell me, you sit and, you know, you're growing up. I know, I'm almost done. So you're growing up, and my mom's like, oh, people would say, you'll turn into what you hang out with. I'm like, no, I won't. I'm hang out with a dog. I'm not going to be a dog. And my mom, being smarter than me, she's like, you're right, but let me put you in a room with flowers. You'll smell like flowers when you walk out. Put you in a room with poop. You're going to smell like poop when you walk out. What you hang around, what you surround yourself with, there will be something that sticks to you. You better believe it. And as Christians, we are called to actually be a thermostat, not a thermometer. We don't, we don't tell what the room is we are called and anointed and appointed to change the atmosphere to change our friend situations but you got to be rooted you got to be rooted they say the deeper the roots go the further out you can go so i pray i pray that this group is yes get together be friends all that amen but i pray it's real i pray it's real i pray every day I pray that every day you surrender whatever it is, an attitude, greed, pride, sexual sins, whatever it is, I pray you surrender that to him and you watch how beautiful God is at being God. Amen? Hello, everybody. How you doing? <laughs> uh, we are real comfortable people. You know, you can talk back, give an amen if you feel it, praise God. <laughs> we are real comfortable people. But my name is Edward Bird. I'm so honored to be with you guys. Like she said, I'm from Washington, D.C., the nation's capital. <laughs> I love my hometown. But anyway, um, so I'm going to share a little bit of my story. My, my mom had me when she was 15 years old, um, and she was the bishop's daughter. So you can imagine the scrutiny of that. Uh, being the bishop's daughter, um, she had me at 15 years old. I mean, it was so bad that they tried to make my mom come to the front and apologize to the whole church for being pregnant. You know how embarrassing that is? And so during that time, it was just such a, a thing, you know, tra traditional and how they dealt with it, and how they handled it. They really treated her wrong. And so my grandmother, being who she was, she just could not accept it. So it really caused a turmoil in my mom's my mom and my grandmother's relationship, so she ended up kicking her out of the house. We slept at a bus station. <laughs> my, we hitchhiked in the back of a police car to my father's house. And when we got there, you know, things were not as beautiful as you think they would be. Um, my dad was, actually was abusive to my mom. And so I was kind of born into a very dysfunctional home. Um, I seen my mom get beat by my dad. I've seen, you know, the emotional abuse, the emotional turmoil, the him not coming home, just the things that he treated my mom, which ultimately led my mom to leave him, um, which really tore any kind of relationship I ever thought I would have with my dad at the time. Um, so we moved out. My mom, I 
we moved out. We, my mom found a house, and my mom was like, my mom had me at 15 years at 15 years old, but by like 18, she had her own house. She was like superwoman to me, and so I loved my mom, and um, she was just she became everything to me because my father wasn't there. You know, she over overcompensated in some ways because she wanted me to feel loved because she knew how much I desired a relationship with my dad. Um, it had got to the point where my dad. I would go to my aunt's house to visit my father, and my dad would not show up. So I'm the little kid, like, with the bags packed at the door, waiting until 3 o'clock in the morning, and dad does not come. And it really just, and it happened time after time after time again, which really just made me feel like I was worthless. Like, why doesn't my father want to have a relationship with me? Then he gets married. <laughs> he has another, he gets married. He has a son, and he named his son Edward. And so it was just like I was totally replaced, like I didn't even exist to him. And so growing up, I really felt safe with my mom, so I took on a lot of her attributes. I took on a lot of her tendencies, a lot of her ways. That, 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 that was what I had. That was the example that I had. And so, yeah, as you know, I was never the guy who, you know, would be at school playing football, basketball. You wouldn't find me doing that. Nope. <laughs> I was the one hanging out with the cheerleaders. I was dancing, singing, writing songs, acting. You know, that was me. I just wasn't the one that you would see in the fields running around getting dirty. I was like, no, I'm not doing that. <laughs> but I never, but even still, I never had a desire to be a homosexual. I never had a desire to be gay. I never, I always thought I would have a family. My family would be a little bit more flashier than other families because I like fashion and stuff, but <laughs> that was my desire. I never wanted to be a homosexual. I saw myself with a child. I saw myself with a wife. But as I got into school, they started to speak over my identity. And you know, the Bible says that life and death is in the power of your tongue. And so they were bringing death <laughs> to my identity. And so they were speaking these things over me. You know, you don't do this. You, you're not the tough kid. You know, you hang out with the girls and you don't play the sports. I didn't have a desire to do that. I, I literally recall back to a time when I was in elementary school. It was picture day and they were giving us the option to take pictures. And so the first option was uh, basketball, footballs, and like this whole sports theme thing. And you get up there and you hold the ball and you take the picture. And the other one was flowers. And I was like, I want to take a picture with the flowers. <laughs> that was me. But I did not have an identity crisis at that time. I just knew what I liked. And as I got older, people really started to just speak these things over me, and it really caused me to be really confused about my identity. I said, wait, maybe this is who I am. And then having the brokenness, not having my father, not having affirmation, being brought up in a home with abuse. I started getting physically abused when I was 10 years old by a really close family member. It lasted for, whew. It lasted for 10 years of my life. And not having my father and desiring a relationship, I threw myself into homosexuality. There wasn't really a, a home. My home was very just dysfunctional in a sense. My mom was young. I, I probably got drunk my first time when I was 12 years old. Smoked weed my first time when I was 14. I lost my virginity at like 11. Like I was just really, I had no guidance. I had no one to watch me. So I was experiencing all these things that you shouldn't and being abused, being bullied, uh, not having my father. Anytime I would be abused, I would use sex as a way to cope with the pain I was feeling. And it got so bad, I started getting drunk every night. I started partying. By the time I'm 18, I'm stripping at a nightclub. I am out here living this life. 
I even started to change my name. I, I was a whole, the person that you see is not the person I used to be. I had a whole different name. I had lost 100 pounds. I was, grew my hair long. I had long eyelashes. I was going by the name of, of Remy because I wanted to suppress the pain. I wanted to suppress, so I created a whole persona, something that I can live out and be that was not connected to the pain of my past and the things that I had experienced. I ended up getting raped, and it just really threw me further into the lifestyle. And it was getting to a point where my life was just cr crashing before my eyes. So by the time I'm 25, I, I, I've always been into music and theater and arts and everything like that. None of the doors that I had thought were opening for me would open. I had lost my record deal with Universal Records. And by the time I'm 24, my life is just crashing down. And I'm just like, there has to be more to life than this. And so, like I said, my grandfather was a bishop, a bishop so there was you know, religion in my family. There was church in my family. Um, so I ended up going to my aunt's church. <laughs> and the first time I went, she looked at me because their church is real early. It's at 8 a.m. in the morning. I'm not necessarily a morning person, praise God. But <laughs> she, she saw me there. <laughs> so I was like, I need to, you know, I need something new. And so I got into the church and, you know, nothing really happened. I was like, okay, praise God. <laughs> Nothing's happening here. <laughs> so I ended up coming back. I said, so I'm going to give it a try again. So I went back the next, the next week, and she said, you're going to receive a blessing. And I was like, well, that's why I'm coming. I hope so. <laughs> so that Sunday, my grandmother um, on my father's side, she actually gave me a Bible. And she said, she said, Edward, now this is my favorite Bible. It was a gift to me. It even has my name inscribed in it. But the Lord is telling me to give it to you, and I have to be obedient to you. I may have to be obedient to him. And she gave me that Bible. I went back in my car. I put that Bible in the trunk. And I was like, I ain't ready for that yet. <laughs> and so I go back out with my friends. You know, I make plans. I go into the club. And it's just you just cannot outrun Jesus. When it's your time, it doesn't matter where you are. It don't matter what sin you in. It don't matter what you're doing or how far away you are. The Lord is coming for you. <laughs> and he will find you. And so I literally was in a club. And somebody comes into the club and prophesied to me. I'm standing there with a, 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 a drink in my hand. I ain't going to tell you what it was, praise God, because you don't need to know that. <laughs> but I'm standing with a drink in my hand, and somebody comes up to me and tells me, the Lord has a call on your life. There's a light inside of you, and he's going to use you for his purpose. And at the time, I'm like, lady, go sit down. I'm about to go back to the bar. You know, I'm about to go back to the bar and get my drink. I don't have time for this. But it planted a seed in me. Because that whole time, after I leave this place, I'm still trying to figure out, I can't get rid of these words. And what she said, like, what is your purpose? What is your plan for me? And so my grandma, I went, we went to another church service, and I'm sitting in the front row, and I'm a singer, songwriter, and I've been doing music for my whole life, and the worship team is up there singing, and they start singing, He Loves Us. <laughs> and if you think about it, a guy who was abused and broken and raped and abandoned by his father there were so many guards and so many walls and just never felt loved that I just heard them singing he loves us oh how he loves us and I'm sitting I literally stand up in, the, in in my seat and I'm like oh my god and I feel the love of God just run over me like run over me like hot oil just run over me and all the brokenness that I experienced, everything that I was going through, I had on mascara standing in the church with a full face of makeup on. And the Lord is reaching for me in the midst of my sin. I didn't have to change anything. He was coming from my heart.
And he touched my heart. And I remember like, I don't, I remember thinking like, I don't deserve this. And no matter what I've done, you still love me. After every time I gave myself away, after every person that I slept with, after every wrong thing that I've done, I'm not even what you created me to be. I didn't know that at the time, but I'm not even the man that you created me to be. And you still want me? You still love me even in this place? And I remember just encountering and having that moment, and I was continuing to go back to that church and go back to that church. And the pastor, for the first time, I heard a pastor speak about homosexuality, and that actually made me run away. So I had been going to church faithfully like maybe four weeks at the time. And when I heard him speak about homosexuality, it made me like, okay, I ain't ready for that. So that was my thing. You know, my grandma gave the Bible. I was like, I ain't ready for that. <laughs> I ain't ready for that. But I heard him speak about it, and I was like, I'm not ready for that. And so I'm about to turn 25. I was like, you know what, God? I'm going to do everything. I'm about to turn 25. I'm going to have a huge party. I'm going to get drunk. I'm going to get high. I'm going to do everything. I have this party. I could not get high. I, I, I smoked. I could not get high. I drunk. I could not get drunk. I could not escape the call of God on my life. No matter what I tried to do to suppress it, I could not escape the call. So I literally go into my room and I scream like, Lord, what do you want from me? What do you want from me? And I had a vision of this club that I used to go to. It's in Washington, D.C. today. Um, it's called The Fireplace. And I saw all the people that I used to go to the club with, and I just saw different things that, that, that had them in bondage and that had them captive. And I saw two principality spirits over top of the club with staffs in their hand just standing there. And the Holy Spirit spoke to me and said, these people are being held captive. But it's by my grace that you have been set free. Now follow me. And so in my room, on my floor, I surrender my life to Christ. <laughs> I said, God, you can have all of me. You can have every piece of me. I give you every part of me. I give you all that I have, all the brokenness, the bitterness, the anger, the hatred with my dad, the hatred with my abuser, everything that I experienced. I gave it to the Lord, and the Lord took it all. And I didn't have to change a thing about me. He did the work that he needed to do in me. And it wasn't even an outward transformation. It was an inward transformation. The cup can be clean on the outside, and the inside still be dirty. Because that's where true, that's where your fruit comes from, from your heart. And so the Lord did a work in my heart, but today I am so excited to be, to be embracing the man of God that he's called me to be and my true identity and necessarily even redeeming the gifts. The people that think said, oh, you do hair, you're gay. You dress like this, you're gay. He's redeeming my fashion. I'm starting my own clothing line. He's redeeming my gifts. I'm doing hair. I'm doing makeup. I'm now singing for Jesus, traveling across the world. And the Lord is doing it. And so I just want to encourage you, no matter what your gifts are, no matter what you may be a little bit more like this or you may be a little bit more like this, you are who God created you to be. Every gift, every perfect gift comes from the Lord. So if you have it, it's from him. And just use it to glorify him. And so I just want to encourage you guys that, you, that God, change is possible. God is a healer. God is a redeemer. He's the one who set free. He's the one who saved. There's no struggle. You're not too far away. All you have to do is surrender just like all of us have, and you will be set free in Jesus' name. Hey, give it up for my friends. Please. Yes. Amen. Amen. Can we get another mic so that Edward... I feel like you're supposed to sing a part of Ran Into You. Yeah. Good. Hey, I just want to encourage you. What's your name again? Edward. Edward. 
Edward? Yeah. I just, man, like, I, when you were just talking, like, you're such a, I, you have such a strength in you. I mean, it's a picture of masculinity. Like, people, that, that's been the, that's been the, the accusation, but I'm watching, I'm like, there's a strength that God's given you that's just powerful, man. I mean, the Lord's called you as a preacher. You've got the, the, the gift <laughs> to preach, and uh, it's on you, man. I, I'm, I'm, I'm stunned. I mean, it was, that was powerful. That's powerful uh, and strong. Yeah. Water, praise God. Little dry all that talking and preaching. Um, so this is my single that I have out right now. Um, I released my first single. It's actually it's featured in a documentary where MJ found me. I was like, I have this song, and she was like, Well, it's perfect for the documentary. Let's put it in there. And so we recorded, and now it's there. And so um, I'm gonna sing a little bit of it to you guys. And it's my um, it's literally my testimony. I love you back. <laughs> I've been searching for something to bring me life. But I kept on looking in the night, giving myself away, giving myself away, giving myself away. Longing for someone to take the pain away, for someone to make it all okay. I've been making those same mistakes. I've been giving myself away. I've been giving myself away. And now, nothing can make. Nothing can make me whole. Nothing can make me whole until I, until I ran into you. See, I've been shattered, running around searching for myself. But then realizing I become somebody else. I've been making those same mistakes. I've been giving myself away. I've been giving myself away. Longing for someone else to take the pain away. For someone to make it all okay. Been making those same mistakes. I've been giving myself away. I've been giving myself away. And now nothing can make me whole. Nothing can make me whole. No. Nothing can make me whole. Until I. Until I ran into you.
Amen. Amen. Y'all can follow Edward Bird with a Y on all streaming, uh, Spotify, iTunes, and actually hear that song. It's called Ran Into You. It will bless your life. Uh, thanks for singing, Edward. <laughs> so just wanted to say, uh, we actually, I filmed this documentary almost two years ago. It has 12 testimonies on it. Uh, we gave multiple copies to your pastors. So if this um, is something that would really um, help you or bless you, we want you to be able to, in private, uh, you can go up to your pastors and ask them for a copy of this DVD and hear the testimonies of other people. Uh, well, we want to give you all an opportunity to respond. I know for a couple of weeks, pastors have been talking about homosexuality, and we want you all to um, be able to respond to what Jesus is saying. And we are all here. We would love to pray with you. You know, uh, maybe you're not struggling with homosexuality. Maybe you're struggling with lust in your mind, and you just can't break free from thoughts that are going on inside. We want to pray for you. Maybe you're someone who says, hey, I don't, I don't struggle with same-sex attraction, but I'm, I'm really battling with depression. We want to pray for you. Uh, maybe you're someone who's just had a lot of heartache. Maybe you're in a relationship and it, it's, you feel broken because that person broke your heart or you feel like your heart is broken. We know Jesus wants to meet you tonight. So if you're some of these people as I'm talking about this and you feel like the Holy Spirit, the Lord is telling you to come down and pray, we're going to spread out and we would love to pray for you tonight. Um, I know it can be awkward. I know it can take um, just a lot of um, strength to just step forward out of the pews, but we would love to pray. That's why we're here. We believe in responding to the word. So if you would like prayer, this is your opportunity and time to come forward to pray for you. And, and if it's not tonight and, and you just stay there and you say, I, I don't have the courage to do this, we know that there is a team here and they are available and they are willing and this is a safe place. This is a safe place to be able to share with your leaders what's going on with you. So I would encourage you, if it's not tonight and you don't feel um, like coming up here, please, please, if there is anything in your heart that you know that as we all shared in our stories, though we would run far off, we knew the Lord was still speaking to us. If there's something inside of you that is a stronghold, that's a chain. We want you to be able to share it because we know with the sharing, it, it gets out into the light, and that is when the Lord can deal with it. So we just want you to come forward. If you don't want to come forward and it's, it's time to go, you're dismissed, you're welcome to go, but we will be up here, and we would love to pray for you.